continuing to speak uh, along, along the lines of 1 Corinthians 15. I believe it is one of the best passages we have in the Bible on what the gospel is. It's like this one person said, he said, um, imagine we can make a discovery where they dug up uh, maybe a, a, a plate with an inscription on explaining exactly what the gospel is. What a wonderful breakthrough that would be. He says, well, we don't need that. We've already got that. That has already happened. And that is First Corinthians 15, explaining what the gospel is. Now, um, we've, we've established, I mean, we've preached verse 1, we've preached verse 2. Verse 2 uh, did cause a little bit of uh, reaction. Some people were very happy that I preached on it and used the boldness to say what I said on it. And some people were saying back to you, you know, we, we love you, but uh, we respectfully disagree with you on that passage. And what I basically said is, and I'm going to read it here, it says, by which also you are saved, talks about the gospel that the Apostle Paul was talking about. And uh, he said in verse 1, let's read verse 1 as well. He says, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have already received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. So what he is saying is, and the way I see this is, that if you have believed, and you turn away from your belief, and you go to something else, your belief was of no effect, and it's not going to have a lasting effect. And that basically boils down to a message where it says, it's not once saved, always saved. Now I do believe, and I want to just bring some clarity on this, there's nothing you can do. In your actions that can cause you not to be saved. Like if you lose your temper today and die, you're not going to be unsaved because of what you've done. Your works cannot save you. It is, if your works cannot save you, your works cannot make you unsaved. That's basically if we want to look at it from a legalistic perspective. Yet we find that by our belief we made use of salvation so if we can only make use of salvation through faith, the only way wherein you can not take part in salvation is by not believing that Jesus was, that there was a human called Jesus, that he died and that he was buried and that he was raised from the dead. If you believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and that he is Lord, if you believe that, you're saved. That, that's it. If you start to say, well, I don't know if I'm saved by believing that Jesus Christ died, was buried, was raised, and that He is Lord, wherein He will give me eternal life. If you doubt that, then I'm going to say, I doubt uh, whereby you're going to be saved. Because what what will save you since he is the savior and that's basically what i say so i want to make that clear i believe the scripture teaches that we need to hear the message of the death and the resurrection of jesus christ and his burial and believe upon the resurrected jesus and continue to believe upon him you cannot become a buddhist halfway through you need to believe all the way now there is 
um, and this is what I would go, uh, most people would say that once you've believed, it would be impossible not to believe. And if you have, if, if you stop to believe, it means that you've never believed in the first place. Now, I, I don't see it like that, but um, it, it is, uh, I'm, people can have their, their opinion about this, and this is just what I see here. But I believe that is not a, a contention wherein we need a fight with each other or whatever. That is what I say there. Now it goes on. And this is what we're going to talk about today. Um, today we're going to look at verse 3. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3. It says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which also I received, that would received uh, paralambano, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. So what he's saying here in verse 3 is that he received, and we've had the definition in our um, in, in last Sunday's message of received. Let me just find that. I hope I've put it in here, if I can remember. Um, but received sim- simply means that you've grabbed a hold of it and you have fully identified with that as your very own. You grab and put it on yourself. You you make it your very own. I don't know where it is. I should have marked it. Uh, sorry for that. So verse 3, it says here, um, basically, that we should continue to believe in this good news. You've believed it. You've received it. After you've received it, we are now standing in this, and now we should continue in this and not go back to the law. Like the Bible says in Romans 8, that for those who are in Christ, for those who are in Christ, the law is death and the Spirit is life. The flesh is death for those that are in Christ, and the Spirit is life for those who are in Christ. So once you are in Christ, it's very important to remain in the message of the gospel which is the um, the birth of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, and the resurrection of Christ, wherein we can say we believe He was raised from the dead and He is Lord. As long as you have that in your heart, you, you will be saved by Him because that is how salvation comes. Should you have other legalistic law things like tithing or sowing and reaping or you have certain laws in your life and you believe that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved because you are calling upon the Lord to be saved. So let this not be something that produces fear in your heart. Yet I believe that Paul comes and he says, the reason why I want you to continue to believe is because what we are Telling you to believe is not to trust in yourself for salvation, but in God. That is what he's saying. That's why it's important to continue into this belief. And we have testified of that in our own lives. The moment you start to get legalistic, you already see the signs of death. If you become completely legalistic, in other words, you reject Christ, you don't believe in him anymore, um, you are believing only in your own power, you will have the fullness of 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 that death now i don't want to get too much into that let's go on it says it says uh let me read verse 3 again for i delivered unto you first of all that which i received 
how that Christ died for our sins. The word for there, in your notes you can see, Paul is referring to the previous verses and the importance of the continuance of belief. The for is there on account of how obvious, obvious it would be not to be saved if you don't believe the gospel, since the gospel is all about what God has done in Jesus for us. It would be a rejection of the work of God and an engaging of your own work leading unto death. It, now Paul talks, and we're going to talk about all that he has received. Paul talks from a first-hand experience. The gospel Paul received was in the form of the resurrected human being. And we can read more of this in, you've seen the different passages I have put there. So Paul is saying, what I'm, about to, what I'm telling to you now is what I received. And this is very important. And, and I want you to know, we're taking this step by step. Paul says, You've received the gospel, and I've come to re-preach the gospel which you have received, and now I'm giving what I have received from God. And what he received from God was by the physical manifestation of Christ. And now we're going to read one of the oldest creeds there is in, uh, in the New Testament. A, a creed was what the people would recite together when they come together so that they could remember the importance of that. And um, let us read verse uh, 3. It says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remains unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. Now what they would recite together was the following. They would go and like we, would, we used to do in the Dutch Reformed Church, we would say, I believe in God the Father, um, and Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we would say the Apostles' Creed. But the creed they said was this. They said, um, they said that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. This is what they would say. They would say, Christ died for us according to the Scriptures. He was buried and He rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. And He was seen of Cephas and then of the twelve. That they would recite together because of the importance of this. This creed, historians believe, was introduced at about between one and five years after the resurrection of Jesus. They started to recite this. This was the very, this was the most important thing. This was what all they believed was based upon. The fact that he was born a human being, talking about the incarnation, we're talking about the death, we're talking about the burial, they talk, they said how he was buried, this was important, and how he was raised again. Paul calls this the gospel, the very good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news that he was raised from the dead. And what Paul is saying I've preached to you that Jesus was raised. 
You've received the fact that Jesus was raised. The life that you are living now and what is born in your life is born from the fact that he is raised and that the spirit of life is inside you and you will be saved. Now he's talking about a salvation in the future in verse 2. That salvation is from physical death and you will have immortality in your bodies should you continue to remember and put to mind and in other words have a faith in connection with a mind that I've shared with you, and that is that Jesus was raised from the dead. So what he's saying is, as long as what you are not changing from the belief that salvation from death is through the physical resurrected Jesus, you shall be saved. And he's encouraging them to continue in this. And now Paul is starting to build his case on... um, what he means by the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is now continuing to talk about Jesus dying for our sins, taking away our sins, removing what was bringing oppression to us and giving us life. Now, the next point uh, in the notes there is Christ died. What does that mean? The death of the Messiah would be a taboo for the Jews should there not Um, be peace on earth between all people and all nations. The Jews, the Jewish tradition from about 1100 AD, well, this was recorded about 1100 AD, um, it was commonly believed that the Messiah would bring peace and his children would continue to rule after he has physically died. Now, when he says here, when Paul says the Messiah died, the reason why he puts an emphasis on this is the Judaizers would come in and they would say the Messiah, you know, um, he would die, but not the kind of death that Paul said he died. Paul said he died for our sins. The Jews back then, now they were different sects with different beliefs, but a big group of them basically believed that the Messiah would be a political leader. He would physically die one day, you know, someday. Some believe he will have live forever, a small group. Others believed that he would die. Um, and then that his children would take over the rule and the reign. And that they will then continue with this peaceful reign wherein the Jews would have the right to actually um, do the ceremonies of the law and live the law. That is what they believe. But he comes here and he basically says that this Jesus would die or this Messiah would die for our sins. And now he's talking about a physical death, and he's saying that this death is for our sins. What is sin? Uh, Next point there in our notes. The concept of a Messiah saving you from sin is not part of the Jewish thought. Missing the mark, not having a share in is what sin means, that which leads to death, that which cannot afford the original intent, unjust or an injustice. Sin is also an offense Committed by Adam. And this is very important for us. So what he's saying is is that Paul is preaching the gospel to people. What is the gospel? He's now laying out the gospel. He's saying to people, I want you to continue to believe this. Because belief in this, you will be then saved by this through having your reliance upon what God has done in Christ. What has God done in Christ? He died to basically remove 
what Adam brought into this world. He died us away from not partaking in what he has dreamt for us. He died for our sins. And that death was a physical death. And we're going to see how important that is for Paul. When it talks about according to the scriptures, um, I cited some scriptures there, but there's even something deeper than that. What Paul is saying is, when it talks according to the scriptures, and scripture cannot be broken, he's not just referring to individual scriptures as I have cited there, but he's actually referring to the whole volume of scripture. He is saying that Jesus died, he was buried, and he was raised, and what he has done in conquering sin and conquering death and bringing eternal life is in accordance to Scripture. Because that is what Scripture talks about. Uh, We don't have our communion that we have before the service in this message, but for those of you that watch the communion, you remember that I, um, you recall that I, talked about first corinthians or second corinthians chapter 3 where it says that christ takes the veil of the law meaning that we can actually see the glory that there truly is in the law in the bodily resurrection of jesus seeing that the law was all the time prophesying towards what god has come to do in jesus the law was never talking about what and the original intent of the law the glory of the law was never to say what we have to do for God to get a breakthrough. It was all about what God was bringing to us. And what the scripture had in mind was a bodily death, a physical death. That's what he says here. Paul goes on in verse um, verse 4, and he says, And that he was buried. Now, some people think, and and there are many uh, uh, scholars that think that Jesus didn't actually physically die. Islam believes that many of them believe that Jesus wasn't didn't die. Some say he did die, but was never raised. Some skeptics say that Jesus was just kind of death, dead. But here Paul comes and look at the emphasis on the physical. He says was buried. Remember that was part of the creed. They would recite that every time they come together, or most of the times they would say together, "Christ was Christ was crucified, he died, he was buried, and he was raised." And I love the way they do that because now they are moving away, and they or they are actually emphasizing the physicality of the death by saying he was buried. It talks about a common thing. He, he died. It wasn't a spiritual death. He physically died. Then he, Christ, was buried. And then he was raised. Now, buried, like I said here, you see in the notes, the emphasis is on physical death, setting the context of the resurrection as well as the fulfillment of prophecy. So when they said he physically died, they were already setting the context of what kind of a resurrection he would have. He physically died. He was physically he, the one, Jesus, died. Jesus was buried. And then Jesus was raised. And this resurrected Jesus is then Lord. We'll get more into that. 
Uh, verse 4 also says there that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. Rose again, that which was buried was that which was raised. That which was buried was that which was raised. Jesus died so that he could be resurrected, delivering us from death and the force it rules by. Now, that is very, very powerful. We can come and we can see what Paul is trying to communicate here. Let's take it from verse 1. In verse 1 he says, I want to come and preach the gospel, the good news that you have already received, wherein you already stand. So he's talking to what we would call born-again believers here. And he is saying to these born-again believers, I want you, and, and I want to tell you that this gospel that I'm now going to recite to you and re-preach to you, and I'm going to make clear what this truly is, I'm going to tell you what this is again because you will be saved. You are saved by this gospel, by this resurrection. Should you keep this in memory? In other words, if you are not coming, if you're not forgetting that he was really raised or putting the resurrection away from you, because if you now put trust in Christ, but you after a while don't believe that he was physically raised again, so that you will not have believed that there will be a physical resurrection again, you're going to be in trouble. And I believe that there was an influence by the Sadducees which said there is no resurrection, there is basically no afterlife. And these people, this is just my belief, they came and they influenced the people in Corinth to be, not to believe in a physical resurrection. That is what's happening. So these people, I think their minds were now veering away from the resurrection, especially if we go down to verse 12. It says, Now if Christ be preached that he rose again from the dead... How say some amongst you that there is no resurrection from the dead? That is what he is basically saying, pointing to the gospel. Now, some of you might say, Bertie, I never understood the gospel the way you're saying it now. I didn't have this clear understanding, but I did believe that Jesus was raised, and I did believe that I would be saved by him. Now, that is enough. Now, we are coming to a clearer understanding of what we believe in. And as we have a clearer understanding, we experience more of the power of God in our lives. You know, so um, we find the Apostle Paul putting great emphasis on the physical death of Jesus, the physical burial, and the physical resurrection. For according to Paul, should we believe upon that and have a hope from that reality, we are saved. You might say, Barry, but I've believed that all my life. Yes, we've believed that all our life, but what we have sadly done in Christianity is we've believed that and then added works. So to me, when you add works, I believe you would still be saved because you believe in this truth. Yet in the adding on of works, we've complicated Christianity. We've brought distrust in the integrity of God. We've um, uh, 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 in the Afrikaans, dear boer, we, we've, we've pierced ourselves through, the English uh, translation, with many sorrows. We've brought great, great distress on our lives, which was simply not needed. Was simply not needed. 
But now we are looking at what he is saying in its true context and having only reliance on that. And that's where we will see great fruit in our lives. When Paul comes and he preaches this, he doesn't have works in mind. He doesn't have works righteousness in mind. He actually bases everything he believes on one thing, and that is that Jesus Christ was raised. I want to say to you, church, if Jesus wasn't bodily raised, if it was a spiritual resurrection, and if you, the, if you are the place where you're not believing in bodily resurrection, first part, if Jesus wasn't bodily raised, then <laughs> we are dead in our sins. We, what, it, what Paul's actually saying when he says we are dead in our sins, what he's actually saying there is, and what he has in mind is, that we will be eternally destroyed on account of the sins that we are in and, and the power that came to man through the disobedience of Adam, and we will not have any life. That is what he's saying. And I want to say this. As we believe in the bodily resurrection and we see how that pertains to us and we see what it truly means, we will experience great power unto holiness and freedom in our lives. This might sound as if we are trying to split, as I'm trying to split hairs and put too much of an emphasis on the resurrection. I want to say this. Paul put a great emphasis. This is what he said. Jesus died. He was buried, so we know what death he died. It was a physical death. He was raised. We know what resurrection it was. It was a physical resurrection. And now he comes and he puts the emphasis on what kind of a resurrection it was. And that is now from verse 5. It says, and he was seen of Cephas or Peter, then the twelve. So he's now talking about, listen, let us not be mistaken on what salvation is. Jesus was saved from death. He was seen by Peter. Then he was seen of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present. In other words, when this was written by Paul, uh, there were still people alive that saw the physical resurrected Jesus. There were still people alive of that 500. They were still living. It says, but some of them have fallen asleep. Some of them have passed away. After that, he was seen of James. So what he's saying is, is that Jesus appeared to Peter. He appeared to the twelve. He appeared to 500, and after that, he appeared to his own brother who was a skeptic and didn't believe in him. And we then find that this James became uh, 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 the, the head of the church in Jerusalem. He was seen as a very noble man, a man with great love. He was, he, 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 he was really praying, always found in the temple, believing on Jesus. And this happened through Jesus bodily appearing to James. It says, then to all of the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. So let's read it again. After that, he was seen of above five. He, he appeared to Peter. Then he appeared to the twelve. Then to more than 500 people at, at once. Then to James. And then again to all the apostles. 
And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time from the list of the apostles that I, that it's not meet for me to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it be I or they, so we preached, and so you believed. Okay, now, (laughs) Paul came and he preached the gospel. What was the gospel Paul preached? He says here that he preached to the people in Corinth and the apostles, or maybe some of the the, the other disciples, uh, or maybe some of the 500, came and preached in Corinth. And what did they preach? They preached the gospel, which was Jesus Christ died, he was buried, and that he rose again. That is what they preached. And he says, they preached, Paul says, if I preached or if they preached, we preached the very same thing. What did they preach? They preached Jesus as King, Jesus as Lord over the earth. That's what they preached. And they says, we preached and you believed. What did they believe? They believed that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead bodily or that Jesus died bodily, he was buried bodily, and he was physically raised bodily. That is what they believed. We see verse 11 there. Paul stresses that what he saw and preached was exactly the same as what those that saw Jesus after the resurrection saw. He is saying that the fact that Jesus was raised was the gospel preached. When they preached that, that is called the gospel. Now today, if and I think of myself, when I would go to Zambia or when I would go to a place and say, I'm going to go to a place where the gospel wasn't heard and I'm going to preach the gospel. What am I supposed to preach? I'm supposed to preach to people and say to them, listen, we are physical humans here. The problem that we have is that we are bound to death. We are dying. And as dying humans, we cannot attain unto immortality or eternal life. We cannot. But there came a man, Jesus. He entered our situation. He was born from Mary. He physically died. He was physically buried. And he was physically raised. And he conquered our problem, which is sin and death. And he is now seated at the right hand of God as the ruler the one with authority, the one with dominion over the earth, and he now has got the victory over sin and death. And as we believe and rely upon him to fulfill his rule in our lives, he will solve our death problem and whatsoever leads to death rendering us at a place where we don't have to try and deal with our weaknesses, but where He is the solution to our weakness. That is the gospel. That would be the very good news. We also find in the Bible, and this is not in the notes, that when we read Acts chapter 2, when we read Acts 13, when we read 
um, Acts 15, and it talks about what Paul preached. It is all summaries of his teachings, because he would teach for hours, but you can read everything he preached in two minutes. He didn't have a two-minute message. He had maybe a four-hour message, and then the Luke, the writer of Acts, would summarize it so it would be in a short, memorable message so that people could remind it, remind themselves of it, recite it, and have knowledge of what Paul actually preached. Here we find that the Apostle Paul, when he preached the resurrection, what did he preach? He actually preached and said the following. Jesus died, he was buried, and he was raised. And then the conclusion, therefore... You will have eternal life. Whatsoever leads to death as well as death is now conquered. That is what the apostle preached. Let us read verse 12 again. Oh, uh, 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 sorry, verse 10 again. It says, By the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. It means it wasn't there for no reason. He didn't die and was resurrected and, and, and brought an influence towards me in vanity, for nothing. He says, but I labored more abundantly than they all. He's actually saying that I have done more than the apostles. I have done more in the spreading of the gospel than all of those people. And then he says, yet not I, but this grace of God which was with me. He defines the grace of God actually as the influence of God on his life through the resurrection. Remember, the Apostle Paul's gospel didn't start in Genesis. The Apostle Paul's gospel didn't start with a revelation of uh, uh, or with knowledge of Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy. No, Paul's eyes was opened when he saw the resurrected Jesus. And that was good news to him because he saw the end of all things right there in Christ. And then he started to preach this good news. And preaching this simplistic, simple, bodily resurrect, re resurrection message, which he calls the gospel, had such great power that people were just set free all over the place. I find that as we, in our testimonies, as people write to, to uh, Dynamic Love Ministries, we find more and more testimonies of people actually being set free from things wherein they're not just, well, I don't feel guilty anymore. I actually find by believing this, it's almost as if you cannot make a connection. You believe in a bodily resurrection, and you believe that that resurrection includes a, a hope of a resurrection for you, and you find contentment in your life you find the fruit of the spirit in your life that is what he is basically saying now we're gonna um end off by just reading uh then verse 11 there it says 11 to 14 he says therefore whether it be i or they so we preached and so you believed what did they believe they believed that jesus died that he was raised and that they also then believed because and the, their understanding of the resurre resurrection was then that we shall also conquer physical death. That was, that was it. And whatsoever leads to it. I've said that many times in my messages, but I, I just feel by the, I, I almost want to say by the Holy Spirit. I cannot stress the point enough. 
The wages of sin is death. The wages of what Adam has done is death. And sin in our lives, end is death. Now we find that since Jesus has conquered death, is also conquered whatsoever leads to death, leaving us at the place where we don't have to try to stop our own sin. But the solution for sin is not put at our doorstep anymore. It's now taken on the shoulders of Jesus and he solves our sin problem. And that is not just a theoretical solving. It is a true practical solving where he in reality brings forth his life in us called the fruit of the Spirit. Verse 11, therefore whether it was I or they, we preached and you believed. 12, now if Christ be preached, listen to the logic here. If Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, if the gospel is preached to you, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? How say some among you that we preach that Christ is raised? He says, how does some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Now, he is now not referring to the fact that Jesus was raised. He's saying, if we say that Jesus was bodily raised, how can you then say that the believer will not also have victory over physical death or be raised from the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, if humans are not going to be physically raised, then is Christ not risen. Can you see that he makes the good news, the message, that Christ, that our sin was not imputed to us, meaning that God was not laying the solving of the problem of sin at our door, but at the feet of Jesus, where he had to solve it, and he solved the problem by physical resurrection, because the problem was physical death. And now he says, if he did this, the good news is that what he has gotten right is now ours, and he will extend that victory into our lives, wherein he is the author of the brand new life and not our willpower. That is what he is saying. Verse 14, And if Christ be risen then, uh, if, if Christ not be risen, then our preaching vain and your faith is also vain. I believe that there was this, and in the notes there, the possibility of the influence of the Sadducees for they did not believe in the resurrection. So they came and said, listen, this resurrection thing is not right. And he goes on and he says, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. Now, Paul is absolutely receiving. I hope you can see the word receive here. That word receive um, and, and, and I, I want to read it. I'm going to find it. Just excuse me, but I'm going to find that definition <coughs> of receive. Um, here's the word receive. It's on the second page of our notes. Uh, the word receive, according to Thayer, means to take to oneself, to take with oneself, 
or to join to oneself. So he's saying here, Paul's talking about what it means to receive the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus was raised from the dead. And now he goes on and he's basically saying that if I am not going to be physically raised from the dead and have immortality in my body, then Christ was not risen from the dead. Can you see how much he makes that one with himself? And I believe that that is what needs to be taught in the church and what we need to have in ourselves. We need to come to a place where we not only just simply believe upon well, Jesus died and he rose again and he is Lord, but where we come to a place where we receive it deeply into our hearts. You can receive the gospel on the road or on a stony ground or uh, uh, amongst the weeds or in the deepest place of your heart. And what Paul is demonstrating here is how he received the gospel. He received the gospel as, as what the scripture says, that if we don't, if, if there's no resurrection for me, then Christ wasn't raised. Then Christ wasn't raised. Now that, I mean, one can say, well, if Jesus wasn't raised, I will not be raised. Paul takes it the other way around. He's made it so much his that he says this thing is so one that if I will not be raised, and that is what the good news was to Paul, then Christ has not risen. Now this is what we call living by the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit raised Christ from the dead, and now Paul is actually saying that I am putting my trust upon what he, he, what he has said there. I think that's what's going to conclude this uh, for today. Um, let, we can read a bit on. Let's go to verse 16 there. It says, for, for if the dead be raised not, then Christ is not raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. Faith here was actually the the hope that we will be set free and have eternal life. It is in vain and you are yet in your sins. So what does he talk about faith that is in vain here? And I think this is a good way to, uh, to end this. He says, if you believe in vain is when you have a belief that Christ was not raised. That is, that is what you, that is in vain belief. So he says, you have received that Christ was was raised. You actually received it. You grabbed a hold of it. You made yourself one with that. You saw that as what Paul said. Well, if I don't have a resurrection, Christ is not raised. But now the Sadducees, this is what I see here, came and influenced these people to believe that there is no such a thing as a bodily resurrection. For if you read in Acts 23, 8 and Mark 12, 18, you find that they mock the resurrection. Now these people st stop to believe in the resurrection. Now he's saying to them, well, if you are basically believing that Christ is not raised, your faith that you had is now becoming what we call vain faith, faith that will never, ever have an effect. I close with this. You might say, but Bertie, I already believe this. Well, then I want to say to you, you can you can say this is so simple uh, can this be the depths of the gospel yes this is the root and the depths of the gospel and what satan wants to do is he wants to deceive us 
What the accuser wants to do is he wants to accuse us of not having the very glory of God, turning our minds unto something else than this resurrection, getting us involved again in works, in trying to hear the voice of God in very funny ways so that we can do this or that for God and, and all those kind of things, trying to work principles again, turning us away from the expectation that comes from this. Glory to God for the fact that the Apostle Paul has written this down in a way that we cannot doubt on what the gospel was and what the gospel is. So I want to say to you, we thought by simply believing that Jesus died and rose again, that that is just the beginning of the gospel. No, no, that is the beginning. That is the middle. That is the end. That is the fullness of all that we can do if you want to do something, is believe this good news and have your reliance upon what hope it brings. That is it. And that's how we will experience the fullness of God. Glory to God. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you that we could gather today around your word. That we can see, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15, that Paul declared the good news. The good news as what we are supposed to preach it to lost people. I've got good news for you. That death is conquered. And thank you, Lord, that we might say, what an absurd message. But you are speaking that message to the hearts of people. And as we preach this, a resonance will be in the hearts that have heard you. And listening to you in their hearts. And an amen will come forth and we will find the fruit of the Spirit upon their lives and freedom. I want to just stretch forth my hand to everybody that's listening to my voice. I want to say to you, Jesus Christ was raised. I said to you, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Death and whatsoever leads to death in your life was conquered. God does not impute your trespass to you. What that means is he does not lay the solution of your problem at your feet and at your hands in order for you to solve it by your works. He has conquered it in Christ and he is now offering you the life on account of his victory freely by his doing, by simply saying, I believe Jesus was raised and that there's a resurrection for me. Seeing no need for the law, seeing no need for the law in the sense of trying to obey the commands of the law, seeing no need for observance of days and feasts and any of those things, but simply seeing, as Colossians says, the resurrected Christ as your life. Thank you, Father, that I can that you confirm this word through signs, wonders, and miracles. Amen and amen. I want to thank you so much for watching. I want to thank you for allowing me to serve you today. And I want to thank the Lord God for what he has brought us in Jesus Christ. I will see you again then next week. God bless.